I do need to confess, though, that I come to Christmas Eve services and Christmas Eve performances with a little bit of um, some baggage. I uh, have always been jealous of the teenager who was chosen to play Mary in the Nativity, and I never got the role. I, uh, I feel like I didn't have a strong connection to theater. In fact, I do remember, I think in seventh grade, there was a play at my school, and I think I was like a townsperson. Uh, and so, so as you can see, my connection to theater is a little bit shallow, although Gino does say that occasionally I have a flair for the dramatic. Uh, but I was recently reading an article about theater, and I was reading about great entrances in theater. I was fascinated by the depth of work that goes into entrances in theater. An actor's entrance can change the mood of a scene. And in live theater, it might be the moment when the star enters the stage. A few years ago, we went and saw Hamilton, and there was the moment when King George entered the stage. Now, it was our first time seeing the play, but there was a good, I think, 30 seconds worth of applause as this particular character entered the stage. But it's not just in live theater, right? We know great entrances in TV and in movies. It's like when Kramer busts through Jerry's door, or when they yell Norm in the Boston bar, or when Steve Urkel shows up in Family Matters, or when JJ shows up in Good Times. It's just about any time that Darth Vader enters the big screen. Zachary Bortot, assistant professor of theater, an artistic director of the theater program at Biola University, he writes about this thing called great theatrical entrances. He says to the end, to communicate how playwrights build value changes from the beginning of a scene to the end, to communicate a change, we have to understand where we start as well as where we are going. Entrances are important because the actor must have a well-developed moment before which encompasses a wealth of considerations such as where they are coming from, the emotional import of that origin, and any vital expository information, all of which culminate in bringing them to the stage for a specific and important purpose. Now, even with my limited understanding of what goes into great acting or great screenplay or great directing, I can still spot a great moment in a movie or TV show, a great actor or a great musical score, And what this professor writes rings true. Actors coming to the stage for a specific and important purpose. And it is no different as Jesus Christ enters the stage of the world. With what I might venture to say is of greater consequence than any movie or TV actor's entrance, even if it is more understated than when Thor enters any Marvel movie. He comes to earth for a specific and important purpose. And while tonight we can lean toward the intensity of this entrance moment on the eve of this celebration, I want to acknowledge the idea of the moments before and the moments after. Because the moments before and the moments after this entrance, they change the world, and ultimately that changes us. I'll be reading a few passages tonight, but I want to start in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. 
So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then heading over to Luke 2, 8 through 20. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Setting the stage for this grand entrance. Well, maybe not so grand at the time, but I think these moments give us an indication of the intensity of the entrance. In Matthew and Luke, we have character development regarding the type of Savior, some real clues to indicate that this wasn't going to be the same type of entrance expected. This Savior was going to be different, and perhaps his kingdom and rule would operate a bit differently too. He comes from some rather common people, Joseph and Mary, chosen by God. Joseph, as we read, is a righteous man, and Mary, a virgin teenager, chosen and seen by God. His entrance is first told to lowly shepherds, the shepherds working their job, guarding their flocks. Not necessarily special by the world's standards. Not kings or queens or high-ranking officials, regular people minding their business. And then consider these phrases from Matthew, verse 22. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And from Luke, verse 20, it says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. It's important to know that this story is foretold. Hundreds of years before, Isaiah 7, 14 predicts Jesus' birth. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Micah 5, 2 said, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. Or the first sign of a Savior in Genesis 3, 14 through 15, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed. More than all animals, domestic and wild, you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This 
is vital moments before information. God, in the moments before this entrance, has been leading us to this entrance. And what I see in this moments before storyline is that God can be trusted. Because this entrance signals the fulfillment of prophecy. Promises coming true. Because what God said he would do, he did. And we see it culminating in this entrance moment. The prophecy foretold that Christ would come. And here he comes just as the scripture reveals. And this is what Professor Bortok is telling us when he writes of the moments before, that there are a wealth of considerations such as where the actor is coming from, the emotional import of that origin, and the vital expository information. It's important that we, as Jesus followers, continue to remember the moments before. It's what gives us hope and secures a place for our faith. And if you're here tonight... And maybe you're not sure about this Christian faith, or you're on the fence about Jesus. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here because I want to be able to tell you that God is a trustworthy God. And the story of Jesus is a perfect example about how God does what he says he will do. Not, mind you, what we want him to do all the time, or what we desire for him to do. God does what he says he will do. He is trustworthy. It's the story of Jesus' birth prediction all the way down to his actual birth in the small town of Bethlehem. But it's also in the words of scripture that remind us things like Deuteronomy 31.8. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Or it's found in Isaiah 41.10 that says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Or it's Matthew 28, 11 that says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Or Isaiah 43, 2 that says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I mean, these are just a few promises that we can lean the full weight of our lives on. If you're weary or burdened or afraid, God wants to speak to that. He wants to demonstrate his character to you. He is trustworthy. And how do we know that he's trustworthy? Because God has shown us again and again that what he says he will do, he will do. But the good professor also pushes us to recognize that an entrance indicates a specific and important purpose. The why of the entrance, the reason for the entrance. And so with the gift of the knowledge of the full story, we know that this entrance moment does, in fact, point to purpose. For this baby born to these ordinary people, born in the genealogy predicted, born in the town and at the time and in the season and in the way predicted, his entrance, this first entrance of his, is for a purpose. The kingdom come. And that purpose will be walked out in the next three-plus decades of his earthly life. The ways his earthly presence changed the people he encountered, his teachings, how he treated people, and even his death. All of this points to his purpose. A purpose and a plan that begins to make all the wrong things right by giving up his own life as a sacrifice for what we deserved. But the moments after also include his resurrection. And his commissioning words to us 
in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The moments after were for the people who walked the earth with Jesus, but we are also living in the moments after, which signals that we have also been given purpose in the moments after. We have been called to go and make disciples. We have been called to do something with the information that we have. In these moments after, we have the living word of God to remind us that what he did then, he can do now. The healing and the miracles and the freedom available to us now in these moments after. The moments after the entrance that focuses our attention on our role, my purpose and your purpose, to spread the word that as promised, the victorious kingdom of God has come and is coming again. Moments before and moments after. The before and after the entrance character development in this story is deep and rich and transforming. And so tomorrow, we celebrate the entrance moment. It is a big entrance, and it's worthy of our pause and our celebration. But tonight, as we prepare for the celebrating and the remembering the moment of entrance, I want to encourage you to pause, to remember that God is a God of all of time, that he has positioned this entrance moment by careful and purposeful design. And as the world moves through this season and this night, we can do so with a different perspective. Our perspective can be filled with hope and purpose because we know God holds the moments before and the moments after. Remember the moments before. Rely on them. Bask in them. Soak them up until they fill up your soul. And remember the moments after. To live in these moments after with the full knowledge that the king has come. And the king does what he says he will do. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we can live in these moments after. These moments after that sometimes feel like a hot mess and a disaster. We can live with full hope because we know our Savior has already made his entrance. And his entrance signaled that he will be true to his word, that he is coming again. Your trustworthy God has been writing an incredible story. And as we celebrate the entrance tomorrow, would we pause to reflect, to remember that the entrance is cushioned by moments before and moments after. Let's let the entrance of the king signal promises fulfilled and purposes revealed. Worship team, you can come on up. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you meet us in this space tonight? Father God, we are so grateful for the story that you are writing. That you are so purposeful in how you have orchestrated this great rescue plan. God, thank you for the entrance moment. But as followers of Jesus, Lord, we are so grateful for the moments before that remind us that you are a trustworthy God. That what you say you will do, you will do. 
And we thank you for the moments after that give us a guidebook on how we should live our lives. They give us a purpose and a plan that we as disciples and followers of Jesus have a reason for what we're doing here. And that the hope that fills us can be available to anyone. And so, Lord, would you just fill this space for those of us who are here in person and for those watching online. And I especially pray for those, Lord, who just aren't sure about you yet. Would you give them an opportunity to experience this entrance moment? But also, Lord, that they would be able to look back on their lives in the moments before, that they would see your goodness and your faithfulness. And that they would be called into moments after that reveal your purpose in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.